welcome to this week's episode of the Life Group Leader Pad Podcast. 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 There we go. Uh, I'm Pastor Hayden, and the preacher that you heard this week was Pastor Evan. Hello there. We are so grateful for you guys as life group leaders, and we just want to always remind you that everything that we do here at Compass is to uh, make disciples of Christ by reaching people for Christ, teaching people to be like Christ, and training people to serve Christ. And that's what we do here, everything that we do, including this podcast. Um, as we uh, looked at this week's sermon out of Romans chapter 8, and we looked at uh, God's sovereign control even over uh, conforming us into His image and that hope that we can have uh, from Him. And so, Pastor Evan, as we jump into that, what should we keep in mind as we look at Matthew uh, chapter 8, verses 27? No, Did I say Matthew you again? Matthew again. He let me know that I said Matthew at our scripture reading at the 11 o'clock service because we've been at Matthew forever. And so, Romans 8, 28 through 30. What can we keep? In, what do we need to keep in mind as we go over this uh, Life Group Leader podcast? Yeah, well, the main point of this sermon is that we need to live unwaveringly for Christ in our present circumstances, remembering that God is working in our lives toward His wonders and good end. And so there's several things in that we need to take away, but essentially that what it boils down to is living for Christ in a manner that's confident and unwavering despite whatever pressure that we're facing from different circumstances that we might be in, no matter what the circumstances might be in, because we know that God is working all things, all these circumstances towards his good end. And what his good is, is actually our good. Great. And we get that because when we read Romans eight twenty eight through 30, it says, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. So really, that's really the preaching point of that whole uh, few verses, is that we can have confidence, and we ought to have confidence that as God is in control, it should actually fortify our faith and give us confidence that all the things that are happening are for good and for his good, which is our good. Uh, as I was uh, listening to your sermon, I went to the, the nine o'clock service. Uh, I loved uh, the quote that you said when you said, "Your pain is real, but so is your hope." Uh, why? Why talk about that in light of uh, Matt, uh, Romans eight twenty-eight through thirty? Well, that was under point number one, which is to find comfort in God's agency. And the, t the temptation is that we will fall into what the culture wants to do. And it, what it wants to do is to numb the pain. It wants to avoid pain and death as much as possible. Instead of funerals, what do we do? Celebrations of life. Uh, instead of trying to embrace whatever God is doing, we try to avoid any type of un uncomfortability or uncomfort, excuse me. Discomfort. Discomfort. Thank you. We're both words. Words are not agreeing with us today. <laughs> Any discomfort, we're trying to avoid it at all costs. Mm -hmm. um, instead, it's saying, no, God can help you and bring you comfort, but it's a comfort that is not what maybe you would define as comfort, but right. better. And it can ha you can ha have this comfort even in situations that are just absolutely devastating and say, don't avoid the devastation. You can sit in that de de devastation, but still find comfort. And we are as pastors are continually reminding our church. And even as you guys are life group leaders are listening to us that, uh, sin and pain, uh, and the hope of, of God in Christ, uh, and also God's, uh, 
a retribution for sin, even in our own lives as we are being disciplined, are not mutually exclusive ideas. I mean, all of those things uh, do coexist, at least in our present age, in a very real way. There, of course, there is going to be a time where these aren't, where they will be mutually exclusive, right? Where God's blessings and God's hope are found in one place, and uh, sin and pain will be found in another place. But in our current uh, world that we live in, all of these things uh, are real, and God is using all of them for his glory and for the good of his people. And so that's why when Pastor Evan brings up things like Lamentations 3, 22 through 24, you see all of those things playing uh, into what God is desiring to do in the life of his people, which is what, Pastor Evan, as you talked about in your sermon. He's drawing us to be like him, mm-hmm. especially like his son, Jesus Christ. Right. And then part of that is that we do have to, he has to respond to sin, which God does. Right. And then he also has gives us a hope, and like as he's conforming us, he's moving us from a life of sin uh, to a life of righteousness. And within that comes a whole lot of things like pain and hope uh, and discipline, all those things. But they're all for your good, although in your life they may seem painful and destructive. Of course, there are other things like calamities, but that's a whole other conversation we can get into. I liked at the end of your point number one, you talked about uh, the things that we ought to do. I think you had four four things that you have to do. Five. Five things we have to do. And these are taken from a book that I think is a very helpful resource that you can purchase online called You Can Trust God uh, by Jerry Bridges. Um, you Can Trust God by Jerry Bridges. And I mean, it is maybe 30 pages long. And it's almost like, it's very simple, mm-hmm. but it's a very helpful book. And he gives us five steps. One, admit that you're helpless or admit your helplessness, and that is critical because we the reason why we're stressed a lot of the times is because we're trying to do it on our own. Um, we need to choose to seek God's help. It's you know, at not only asking for directions, but actually following those directions, but it's making sure we're seeking the right directions, which is God. Pray for the grace, or another way to say grace, it's God's help to trust, because we need God's help to do that. Uh, four, immerse yourself in Scripture. And I love the word. He, I love how he uses immerse because it's not just I'm reading for reading's sake. I'm living in it and al- wanting and allowing it to conform me into God's image. And number five, choose to act on what is true about God and not how you feel. And just a reminder, kind of like I preached last time, that we base our decisions on what is true and not how we feel. And usually, when we decide on things how we feel, and you're counseling someone in that it doesn't really tend to work out very well. But when you base on what is true, you follow what God wants. Right. No, that's good. A good word. Uh, when we look at the comfort that we can find in God's control, it's simply because he does have a plan, and he's working his plan together for good. Uh, and as you are leading your life group this week, you're going to get into a lot of really strong, distinctive doctrines in Scripture. And uh, when we think of predestination... We think of God's foreknowledge. Uh, we think of being called and justified and glorified. All those things are very distinctive elements of the Christian faith. Um, and although they are all necessary and uh, essential parts of the Christian faith, uh, we want to make sure that you guys uh, don't get in the weeds with people uh, as you are talking about this. But instead, I like what Pastor Evan was doing and saying, listen, it's a fact that God foreknew. It's a fact that God predestined to conform people into the image of his Son, and he foreknew those that he did predestine. Okay, there's a fact. Let's just live in that fact, and what are the implications of that fact in our sanctification? And so that's really uh, what we get in point number two, is living in the facts of the implications of that 
for foreknowledge and predestination to be conformed into the image of his son, we can engage our present circumstances with God's purpose in mind. And then you brought up Paul in Philippians 1, 12 through 14. That's a great example of uh, living in our present circumstances with God's purpose. And I thought that was a really encouraging way to show us that God can be using things that we think are terrible, which they might be, right? The things that do cause us real pain, but inevitably, if we will look at it the way that God's looking at it, it's actually going to be for the good of not only us, but also for maybe for people around us. Anything you would add to that? Yeah, I just want to emphasize what you said there about, I mean, this is this passage about, for those he foreknew, we do get this you know, wonderful doctrine of the election of the saints, the predestination, um, but I want to help you like your life group help you guys help lead your life groups of like here's these truths in answer the so what question my marriage is falling apart so what that he predestined me now this should be an encouragement and then the reason why we can apply it is because that's what paul's doing paul in in chapter eight he's trying to give these truths to encourage the romans to continue on in their faith as they're suffering so he's saying remember these truths that the work of christ is finished that's early in romans 8 that the spirit of god is actively you know helping you in your weakness and knowing that god is working all things together for good and so the purpose of Paul saying that was to encourage the Roman church to live out faithfully. And so that is why as we, I didn't need to lecture on the positions of election or predestination furthers because, well, Paul's purpose was to help the Roman church apply something. And so the purpose for us this morning is to actually apply something from God's word. Right. And the great, uh, beautiful doctrine of this election of God to his saints uh, should empower you to trust in the fact that what God has began in you, he will bring to completion. Uh, and that is that is why that you can, in your present circumstances, uh, engage them with God's purpose and have faith uh, in that work that God is going to complete it, because it's really not up to you, it's up to God. Now, that doesn't mean that you can just ignore God's will or ignore uh, God's word in your circumstances and somehow feel like, uh, you're going to have peace in that because you're not, because God is using your obedience as a means for his plan to be fulfilled. And so what you can trust instead is as you are walking in faith and obedience, you know that the plans of God won't be thwarted in your faithfulness walking to him and toward him. And so that's the goal of this. This isn't a, I can lay on the couch and not do anything and, and feel the hope and the peace that comes from, from Christ, but it is the reality that I can work and not work in vain. And I can accomplish God things with God's will in mind and know that God is going to bring them to completion because it's his will and it's his plan to conform us into the image of his son. I mean, isn't that what we all want to be, more like Christ? We all do. You ask everybody, I want to be more like Christ. Well, how is he going to do it? Well, he's going to do it through his plan and he, in his, uh, his foreknowledge that he's going to bring to completion. But it's all going to be through the working of the Holy Spirit in conjunction with your obedience and your faith. And that's what we call sanctification. Sanctification doesn't happen in, in a vacuum. It happens through the Spirit convicting us to walk in faith, trusting that God is going to do a work. And as we do walk in faith, it is not our own work, but it is the work of the Spirit accomplishing those things in us, and we can have full and utter trust that those things will happen for our good and for the glory of God. Again, two things that are not mutually exclusive. 
right? You can also be a faithful steward who is doing things in conjunction with the work of the Holy Spirit, and it doesn't mean that you're doing the work because that work wouldn't be accomplished without God willing and working in your life. But it still requires in the willing and working that you be a faithful steward to what God has given you. Is that part of where is that? I mean, is that you think that's a faithful application to what you were doing talking about today? Yes, and I think I was just thinking of a silly analogy that it's like if you ever played football, especially running back, it's like you are very reliant. You have a hard job to take a, a ball all the way to the other end of the field, but there's another team of eleven men trying to stop you, um, and then you have to trust your teammates to get them out of the way so you can run seemingly what you're looking at it it's mm-hmm. just a wall of dudes but right. eventually you have to open it but right now goes exactly further because right. it's not just you know us it's god moving the pieces out of the way right. it's it's a kind of a line that you know that will win every time yeah and so you just but, gonna run right, right at the way it looks like the, you're, right. not gonna be, you're gonna run into someone is like, no god i'll move them out of the way right trust my and and plan. in the same way that kind of running back who knows they have the best line in front of them in the universe aren't going to they're not going to get the ball and sit down and say, my line's going to take care of it. No, you've been given a stewardship and a responsibility. You know, carry the ball. Run the race is what Paul says. Why would we run a race if we don't? If we just want to sit down and not do it? No, we had to run the race, but we are confident that the race has been won, and all what we're doing is walking in faith or running in faith. All right, I think we hammered that one down pretty good. God's gotcha. foreknowledge and predestination to conform us into his image. All right, we talked about point number three, uh, but let's, uh, let's dive into it just a little bit more. Uh, I loved how you talked about learning how to wait. Why is learning how to wait important? Uh, even as we talk about running the race, okay, we're talking about, okay, now we're waiting. Are we running? Are we waiting? Yeah, and so this is actually going back to the football analogy. If you watch any NFL games today or college football games on Saturday, you'll hear people say, oh, this he's a patient running back because he's waiting. He's actively running. He's not sitting on the ground. He has the ball, and he's waiting and waiting. For when the right opportunity, what's supposed to happen, happens where the the offensive line is able to move the defense in such a way that he's able to run down the field. So he waits until the timing finally happens and so he can able to run faithfully. So same thing here. Biblical waiting is not sitting on the sideline in in the pew just twiddling. It's exercising discernment to the will of God. Exactly. It's It's following after God. And I quoted another helpful resource. the end of anxiety, and he quotes saying that the waiting is exercising confidence in God's perfect timing. And so you know that God's going to work something out. You might not, you're just waiting for what it looks like, but he's going to work something out so you can live faithfully, do what you're supposed to do as a Christian, and actually be able to do it, trusting that, okay, it's going to work out. Right, right. Not work out in a sense of, I'm going to have a harmonious life. No, it's going to work out in the sense of, I'm going to be conformed to Christ's image, and it's going to work out that God's going to be exalted. Right, in spite of my situation. In spite of the situation. Right, and that's what you have to get to is this fact that your life, it doesn't mean that your life ends up the way you want it to. It means that it ends up where God wants it to. It's like this. There's a gal that I mentioned when I preached before, a gal that in our sending church who was married to a really hard husband for 50 years, five zero, 50 years. And she was determined to live faithfully, waiting on the patience of the Lord to save her husband, knowing what the Bible has to say about wives winning their husbands over by the way that they live. And sure enough, after 50 very long years, he finally got saved. And that is what it means to wait for what is good. And so she got to experience that because she waited on the Lord. That's good. Uh, The last thing, which is a textual uh note that uh, you brought up was that last word in verse 30 is glorified, that that is a a past tense word. But when we think of glorified, we always think of a future 
tense, right? That we will be glorified. What's the significance of the past tense nature of the the word glorified in Romans eight thirty? Well, there's two significance. The one it it ties in with all the different words. All of them are past tense, and but also they are um, look at my notes. They are present active indicative meaning. The person that's been called, the person that's been predestined, the person that's been justified and glorified has done zero work toward that end. It is some other agent that has done the work. And so the past tense is um, showing that God has done the work and is doing the work. And then the second thing is that the glorified, the past tense, that God is communicating through Paul that the work is as good as done. And I stole an analogy from another pastor and he mentions in baseball, when the person, the batter hits the home run, he can run the bases in safety, knowing that the defense can do nothing to stop him to get to home plate. Why? Because the ball is, is gone. But the point or the run is not applied to their team until he crosses home plate. And so what we are in, we're waiting for that point to be applied to our team, that run to be applied, for the glory to be applied. But it's as good as done because the ball's already out of the park. Right. That's good. All right. Well, hey, as we jump to the back, we have a lot of questions we're going to go over this week in our application questions for our life groups. And life group leaders, go ahead and spend time answering the questions from this sermon. I know we had questions of what we're going to talk about last week's sermon or this week's sermon. Go ahead and make sure that you're going to go over this week's application questions in your life groups, the Finding Hope sermon that Pastor Evan just preached from Romans 8. But as we jump in there, Pastor Evan, any particular question that you want to draw our attention to as we draw near to our life groups that are looming this week? Uh, Questions two and three. Um, Question number two, how do these passages display God's agency in the seemingly problematic positions that these Christians face and then apply it to your own self? Is helping your life group see that a lot of them are in tough, problematic, or seemingly problematic situations. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of tough family dynamics in our church, not with our church per se, but with extended family members outside of this church. We have a lot of people who are mourning and grieving loss, and so we need to help them see that God is actively working in that. Right, and to help them see that, that the Bible covers the hard topics. And I think that's something that we've been encouraged by through the testimonies of many at our church, that they say, you know, we love that you guys teach... Uh, hard things that the Bible addresses that most people may not talk about. And I can't attest to most people not talking about that, but what I can attest to is that a lot of people don't believe in so many ways that the Bible uh, can help us deal with the real problematic things that we face as Christians. But we know as life group leaders and pastors that that's not true at all. And so really help your uh, the people in your life group answer these questions as they apply to them, not generalities, but specificity. And then finally, question number three, just because we really need our church and our life groups to remember that what God is doing in their lives, what he's working together for them, and if they're Christians, is that to is for them to be conformed to Christ. That is the good. That mm-hmm. is the end goal. And so even applying it, what is a situation that you might be specifically facing? And maybe as a life group leader, write one down and bring it up and share with your life group, hey, this is the situation, but this is how I see it conforming my life to Christ to take off this sin and put on this righteous de- righteousness of Christ instead. Um, so maybe find an example in your own life to be able to help your life group apply it in their lives. All right. Well, we want to jump into our training section of our Life Group Leader podcast. Pastor Evan, what do you have for us this week in light of the training? All right. Well, we are in our, I think it's our six-part series. I think we're on part three of our 
counseling pamphlets from Jay Adams. And the one that we uh, tackled uh, this week is going to be uh, what to do when you worry all the time. And this is going to be a little, a very short and helpful resource to help people in your life group and people that you meet really wrestle with anxiety. I had a, someone read through this pamphlet and thankfully came to the conclusion of realizing anxiety is a sin. Well, why is it a sin? It doesn't seem like it seems like a disease according to our culture. It's a sin because you don't trust God. That's why it's a sin because you're God's saying, trust me. And you're saying, no, I'm not. And so that is why it is important to help our people realize realize in a gentle and patient way, hey, your anxiety is a sin that you need to repent of and actually take care of in a biblical way. Uh, he quotes, uh, he says this, and I want to quote him, is that what they need to realize is that their depression comes from a result of failure, uh, failure in self-control and self-discipline, meaning they didn't have self-control to not given to the thoughts that are not true, you know, from the sermon, doing what is true about God instead of what you feel and being disciplined to keep doing it and trusting in God. And so we don't have to worry because we can trust God with and applying the sermon, that God is working everything out to his good um, purpose. Um, so the focus that he's going to bring up is 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, verse 8. And it's, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair. And so he's trying, Paul is encouraging the Christians. And what we need to encourage other people is that, again, you can be present in the pain, but don't be given up to despair. Right. Because he says we are afflicted, but not crushed. Right. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. He's not discounting real problems and real issues, but he's saying those real issues that I deal with, I don't live in a state of being crushed or in a state of despair, which is how people would explain anxiety. But as a matter of fact, he dealt, he deals with those in light of the gospel. And so again, kind of what Pastor Hayden said in reference to even the sermon, I love the Bible because it doesn't shy away from reality. Reality is hard. It's painful. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of joy, but there's a lot of pain. And the fact that I, I just look at our culture and it tries to do everything to avoid negativity, uh, to avoid um, discomfort, to avoid pain. Um, instead, the, what the Bible and God says, no, you need to be able to endure and walk through the pain by trusting in me. Uh, so what is the solution? Essentially is to wrap it up, and you get to say so gently and patiently, is to get over your feelings and do what God says. Um, that's just paraphrasing. Um, but essentially, to kind of quote him, the key to warding off depression do not follow your feelings when you know that they are, have a that you have a sorry, responsibility that you have a responsibility to discharge to discharge instead against your feelings you must do as you should and when you do even at first you do something mechanically something because you want to please God and you know that he wants you to do this in time feelings will change and so that's the key is that you need to do what is right not because for your own benefit, not because you want to get rid of these feelings. It's because you want to please God. And it's like what you talked about in our, the marriage council about marriage training uh, a couple of weeks ago saying, in order to fix your marriage, you need to have a proper understanding what the point and purpose and value of marriage is, is to exalt God, not you. And so the point of what you need to do is not to exalt yourself. What you need to do is to please the Lord. And so uh, a couple practical steps that he gives in the pamphlet is, the first, if you are in anxiety or, or giving over to anxiety, confess your sin and assume your responsibilities. And then secondly, begin, begin to do whatever God wants you to do. Uh, here's three helpful steps. Make a full list of what you need to do. Two, get to work. And three, keep at it. And this is 
um, the presupposition is that you are trusting that God will help you bring it to completion, that God will give you the strength to do so. And again, this is going to be helpful, um, helpful fact as you help people in your life group, as they bring up their struggles with anxiety, as you gently come alongside them and, and let them know that you're here for the long haul is a reminder that only Christians can do this. And that's a hopeful thing. Only Christians can do this, but for the non-Christian, it's going to be an aroma of, what is it, aroma of death. Mm-hmm. It's going to be an aroma of conviction to go, I can't do this. And that's the hope is, hey, you can't, but God can. Right, and we always want to, to qualify this because we say uh, we don't want to influence anyone who's not a Christian to fall into a, a, some kind of pattern of a legalistic behavior. That is, if I do this, this, and this, somehow... God is going to be pleased with me outside of the meritorious work of Christ, but on my own ability to accomplish something, which is antithetical to the gospel, which is it's a form of legalism. And so I'm not going to give a non-Christian a list of things to do in order to right the ship of their life when it comes to God and sin, because they can't. However, those empowered by the Holy Spirit because of their salvation and the seal of the Spirit in their life would also empower them that as they see what they need to do and they start getting to work at it and they keep working at it, it is uh, God willing and working in their life for His good pleasure to accomplish the very thing that we were just talking about in the sermon, and that is conforming us into the image of Christ. And so that can only be done uh, with us being full of the Holy Spirit. All right. Well, that is your training. If you ever, if you want this resource, we have it for free up in our office. And so just let myself or Pastor Hayden or one of our admins know that you can grab one of these pamphlets. All right. Uh, Life Group Leaders, you've got a lot of announcements. You'll get them in your email as well. But just remember to uh, announce that we have Exploring Compass Intensive this coming up Sunday. So don't forget to announce this in your Life Group because uh, it's the time is, you know, what is it? Time is fleeting. We are getting really close to the intensive, and we want as many people as possible uh, to be a part of that event. And then we have a lot of events at Christmas at Compass. Can Make sure you point out each of those events to your life group so they know times and dates and places of all these events. Uh, and then we also have the Angel Tree program, which we will be unleashing in the next couple of weeks here in our church. And we have a few families who have committed and desire us to uh, reach out to them and give them Uh, some hope this Christmas, so we're going to do that as well. Uh, And then finally, our Serve Team Celebration, December 18th. Remember to register for the Serve Team Celebration, you and all your kiddos who plan on being there. All right, Life Groups, we're so grateful for you. We do love you and appreciate you and do look forward to seeing you guys. You forgot one. Well, I was going to, I talked about baptisms a lot earlier, so I was going to just let them do that. Okay. All right, back to you. We love you. We'll talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye.